Hi, I'm Tuha, and I'm the host of We Make It Work. Every week, I have a guest who talks about how they work flexibly and how they make it work. By sharing these stories, we hope to empower others looking to work flexibly or are just starting out. This is actually the penultimate episode of this season before I'm going to take a break from recording. So please continue to listen and share and get in touch at podcast at digitalseamstress.co.uk. I'd love to hear your feedback and whether these stories have inspired you. And even if you've got any ideas of guests you'd like to listen to uh, and you'd like me to interview. Have a great summer, everyone. Happy listening. Hi, and today's guest we have Kessia. Hello, how are you? Ah, I'm doing well, thank you. Oh, cool. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes, yeah, you did, Kessia. Brilliant. So, Kessia, can you explain to our listeners what you do? Yeah, I'm a holistic nutritionist and I run and I do that mainly online and I mainly focus on helping women who are fed up of being bloated and tired and I do that through consultations and some through uh, some group work and online programs. Oh, excellent. So how do you work flexibly? I work flexibly, um, I mean I feel like I've worked flexibly probably all of my working career for the last I know, 12 plus years but I so I work for myself so I'm recording this currently from my home office and I set my own schedule so I decide how many hours I want to work when I want to work how many clients I want to see everything actually is super flexible which some people can find that a little bit intimidating but I love it <laughs> I love being able to I like I do have a structure to my week but it's one that I've imposed myself and for one that works for me and I've recently had uh, my first baby as well so it works really well thank you for um actually just being like okay what can I manage and what do I want Mm -hmm. um so my whole business is um, it does have structure but it's completely flexible to how I want my business to be oh that's amazing so you mentioned that you work flexibly for the last 12 years Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming it's not in the same Oh yeah, not in the same field. No, no, no. I did, I did a big, yeah, I did a big uh, pivot, as it were. So I, um, my undergraduate training at university was in fine art. So I was, um, so I graduated from that, and then I worked as an artist for probably a good five years or six years, I would say. And even through um, that kind of undergraduate degree, I was doing kind of self-employed jobs as a student. I mean, lots of students have like a million jobs, but a couple of my jobs were, you know, teaching art to the elderly and working at arts organizations. And all of those were always on a kind of self-employed invoice basis. So I kind of got to grips with flexible working and charging per hour and invoicing pretty early on so probably from like age 19 onwards um and then when I graduated a life as a artist is very flexible <laughs> so um I, I did that for about six yeah five or six years and I did a lot of work with organizations and with charities based on like funding and grants and those kinds of things so as well as my own um kind of private studio practice of um, doing selling work and doing kind of artist residencies and teaching and those kinds of things. So that was um, a very, 
that was a good education, to be honest, in terms of working flexibly and also forcing me to learn the discipline of flexible working. Because especially as an artist, you could just go to your studio and like, I don't know, read about Van Gogh every day. But that's not mm-hmm. that's not necessarily going to help you to pay your rent so you had to kind of that was a really great education and then about um I think a good couple of years into that my um my partner uh, was doing a PhD at the time and he had finished that and decided to leave academia and want to get a job and I was living down south and um but come from Scotland even though I don't sound like I do and both of us do both me and my partner come from Scotland and we want to move back and so he got a job up here And I was really happy to kind of leave the artist world behind in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt a bit of a, a bit weird, to be honest, because I think on the surface, people were like, oh, you're an artist. That's amazing. That's so cool. Like you have a studio and you make stuff and you draw and paint. And and in lots of ways, it was really great. But from a professional viewpoint, I think by about five years in, I was just starting to not love it. Like Mm. I, and it was all going the way it should be going, if that makes sense, you know, so, you know, first solo exhibition booked in and some residencies booked in and I had regular work with different galleries or organizations and I'd built that network, if that makes sense of work coming in, but I just didn't, I looked at some of the artists that I worked with that were maybe 10 years in front of me or 15 years ahead of me and more successful and and they were wonderful and made wonderful work, but I didn't want the life that they lived um, or the professional kind of pressures. And I think I just realized I didn't love being a professional artist full time. Okay. And so that move was just a really nice opportunity to um, to to kind of reassess. And I realized mm. um, also a lot of my work came from my network. And so I was moving geographical locations. So I knew that to start all of that work again would mean a whole new network being built in where I now live in Glasgow, which is a great artistic hub of excellence and brilliance. But I knew it would take a lot of time to build up that network. And all throughout that time as well, I'd had a lot of health challenges myself and had been doing loads to um, overcome my own fatigue and digestive issues and hormonal issues and all of that sort of stuff. And by that point, I'd managed to see quite a lot of improvement in my health. And then that kind of naturally just made me think, okay, I was in a bit of a conundrum because I loved how I, that I was basically self-employed as an artist. And I loved the flexibility that that brought. And I didn't want to necessarily go and work for someone else full time, Mm. but I knew I didn't want to be an artist. So I I did have probably about two years where I did, um, I wrapped up a couple of kind of, I did a little bit of arts work and I tried, I did some different kind of courses and I did like odd jobs working for charities and um, I don't know, a couple of random things. I worked at tea rooms for a while and made goat's cheese salad and, you know, all the random stuff that you do sometimes to, (laughs) to pay the bills. And then I was like, no, I think I want to retrain and become a nutritionist and uh, and I have a holistic viewpoint and kind of take that flexible self-employed working model but apply it to something a little bit more um from my point of view a little bit more structured because I found that was what I found difficult about being an artist mm. is it felt quite unstructured and that is that's not to say all artists are that way but I think I didn't I found that personally difficult to know how to kind of make a business out of it if that makes sense on how yeah. to 
because it's so I don't know personal and you can get all very angsty about making art and very melancholic and whereas being a nutritionist I was like oh this is about food this is like very practical and very structured there's a clear end point a clear start point and this is how you would set up a business you know it's it felt less personal I suppose in a way so I retrained went back to uni learn all about poo and periods and hormones and food and yeah here I am another what five or six years later ah okay that's great uh so in terms of like creating that network like a rebuilding it how mm. did you start so you did this pivot mm-hmm. what was the biggest challenge then in terms of getting building that network or or did you find a quick easy way to build a network no I think it well I suppose with that pivot I also pivoted from building my network in person which I did a lot as an artist to then pivoting to trying to build a network online and realizing I want to kind of if I did carry on running uh, working for myself and freelancing I wanted that to be based uh, online like as my home shall we say um so that was that big pivot of that and that did take time um and I think a lot of it was from just consistently showing up actually um and I think the biggest challenge I found was just how I don't know how vulnerable it feels kind of putting yourself out there if that makes sense like I remember my first in-person networking event I went to as you know like as a nutritionist and health person and I like remember arriving there like going to the toilet and just giving myself like a little pep talk in the toilet I didn't need the toilet just to be like Kezia these are just it was like a really lovely women in business event it was like not not cheesy you know it was actually a really lovely event with a nice meal interesting talk but I had to give myself like a proper pep talk of like these are just potential friends they're just potential friends like that's all you're not trying to like you know, sell them or persuade them. And I found that both online and offline challenging. But I think through doing things consistently, like consistently showing up um, on online platforms, whether it be emailing people every week, I now like I email my uh, email list, or people that have given me their email or in connection with me, I do that probably every one or two weeks, I, I run my own podcast, or I've and before I did that, I regularly created content on a blog. So I think that helps to kind of build that trust. But I do think there is quite a big difference between networking online and offline. Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. you can gain people's trust and build relationship a little bit quicker offline. You know, if you're just yeah. in person chatting to someone, then you can connect a little bit easier. Whereas online, I found it harder um, mm. because it just required a lot more work, a lot more consistency and persistence but it, yeah. you can yeah, do it really interesting yeah. yeah and I love like how you shared the vulnerability of you yeah, putting yourself out there I completely agree and I think your technique I actually think it's a good one because you're taking that pressure off yourself of yes yeah, so you're going to this event just to meet people and get your face out there and it's not to sell and I think when you when you give yourself an obje- objective like that, then it's, it's not as daunting as yeah. putting yourself out there. So I think it's a really good technique. I'm going to do that. Yeah, no, I always do. I always I'm take myself off to like toilets to give myself little pep talks or to 
And it's reframing things as well. Because if I realized I had this expectation of, well, I go to these networking events and sometimes they cost you money to go to. So you then are like, well, I need to get a return on this investment. And, you you know, or like membership. One of them had a membership that you had to pay for. And there's lots of free ones out there as well. But even then it might be time. You know, you have to commute an hour to get there or the train ticket or it's in London and you don't live, you know, whatever it is. And actually taking the pressure off of, I immediately need to receive a return of this investment and actually being like, okay, no, I'm here to make friends. Working for yourself can be lonely. And then I Mm. have to trust that um, if I can make genuine connection with people, I will become the person, like their go-to person if they know someone who needs to see a nutritionist uh, or, or actually what did happen is um, someone I met and we just had a great conversation. And I think she worked in an, like investment banking. So we didn't have, you know, on the surface, a lot in common into, you know, I wasn't trying to pitch her, but then like six months later, she was like, Oh, my work wants to have is doing a series on um, and health. We'd love you to come in and run a workshop for our, um for our staff on nutrition and health in the workplace and stress and so it did actually become something profitable but at the time if I just switched off when she was like oh I'm an, I work in an investment bank I'd have been like well you don't need help from nutritionists switch off I'm not gonna be friends with you then I would have missed out um so it's in, yeah. it's funny how it works I think oh amazing so you've got your own podcast. Tell us a little bit more about that. So what's it called and what's the topic? It's called The Gut Goddess Show. So it's all about helping women who, oh well, and some men as well, if they want to listen, that's totally fine. Helping them with um, their bloating, IBS, digestive issues, energy and relationship with food. So it's a weekly show that I do, and I've I've had a, quite an evolution, shall we say, with podcasts because I started originally podcasting probably maybe four years ago, but with uh, another friend, and we did it together for probably about eighteen months, and then we decided to part ways, not for any bad reason, just because of how our businesses were evolving. It didn't quite make sense. And um, I took it on um, myself just to run on my own. And I was really worried that I wouldn't have anything to say, if that makes sense, in doing a podcast. But it turns out I could talk for ages. So it works out really well. <laughs> well, that's what people that's what people say anyway. So I do a weekly show. And since having a baby, before I had my son, I probably regularly did interviews with people. Um, and since having my son, I just realized if I was going to be consistent with a weekly podcast, I probably didn't have the capacity to um, organize a lot of interviews with people for the content, just in terms of, you know, you know what it's like getting your diary, two people at the same times, blah, 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 all of that sort of stuff. So um, but I hope to do that towards the end of the year, get into more interviews because that was really fun. And so I talk oh. about a whole bunch of different things. I'm very honest in it. I provide a lot of practical uh, kind of educational stuff to help women to really take those first steps to getting their health and their energy and their kind of flow black when it comes to their digestion, their hormones and all of that sort of good stuff. So yeah, it is, it is actually really, I really look forward to recording my podcast. Oh, amazing. And do you get many inquiries after, well, not straight after the episodes, but because you're doing it consistently, have you 
been able to get any inquiry? Yes, I have. It's been, it's, it's one of those things that I, again, I am half this kind of like, yeah, serve people and arty and quite flowy. And then there is another half of me that's like, what are the metrics behind this? Let's assess them. Mm. Uh, And I was like, I'm not too sure if podcasting is going to be helpful for getting me clients. Like, is this a waste of time? You know, I think as a, when you work for yourself, you do always need to assess these things. Mm. Like, is this worth my time? Especially at the moment with, um, a younger child, you know, my working week, I work about 20 hours a week. So things, my time is precious. I do need to, it does need to be effective, the things that I'm doing in 20 hours. So, um, but I have actually found, I think because I work with people on a consultation basis, often online, I think when people listen to the podcast, they start to feel like they get to know me. So they know what my voice sounds like. They know my mannerisms. They know my kind of ethos and general-ish approach so that they would Mm. feel a lot more kind of comfortable at hopping on the phone with me and maybe discussing potentially working together so I would say a lot of the clients that that I've gotten in the last I don't know six months or so would probably I'd probably say 80% of them listen to the podcast so whether that's how they found me I'm not sure or whether it's more I think it more helps with like nurturing if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. building trust Um, if people subscribe as well then I'm popping up on their phone once a week on Wednesdays of like me and my funny face of me eating chocolate you know and it's like hi it's Kezia again so I think it really helps keep me in mind and also helps to communicate some of the kind of knowledge and expertise for want of a better word that I would have around certain issues so I am actually surprised I because I I mean if you're recording a podcast in your home office you can feel like you're just talking to yourself into a microphone and wondering if anyone's listening other than your mum but actually I've been surprised at through Instagram DMs or Facebook people saying oh I listened to this podcast that was great or I've passed this on to my family member who has PCOS or I've you know, it it is yeah. a really, I think it is content that I enjoy doing, but also yields a return in terms of building trust and ultimately clients and customers, which is helpful. Oh, brilliant. So, I yeah, I think it's useful as well in terms of podcasting. And you're right, it's that consistency. And I, I can understand, like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people are, you're building trust with people because they're listening to you every week I remember when I was younger I never used to email you know like radio oh yeah and they would say oh yes email me I don't know do a shout out or whatever and I never really did it but then I just remember like revising for my GCSEs and I just listened to this one DJ and then because he built a trust and like the people's messages he was reading and interacting with were like similar to mine so I think I emailed him. I can't remember what he did. But then he read out my email. I was like, <laughs> oh. So I completely understand that. So we met via the Facebook community group called Doing It For The Kids, yes. didn't we? Yes. Um, I absolutely love that group. It was um, set up by Frankie Totoro, if no one knows. And she's lovely. She is. Like, she messages me at like 11 o'clock at night. Like um, she doesn't just message me. It's just because I've commented on something um on her Instagram post or something. She always responds. I mean, how how have you found the community has helped you? Oh, it's been great actually. I only joined probably a couple of months ago, I think, when I was just 
you know, doing the endless search on Facebook that we sometimes get sucked into. Uh, and it's been great because I think, I think one of the downsides of working for yourself and working from home and kind of freelancing and is that it can feel a little bit lonely. And especially because I've just had my first child and there's um, a lot of, you know, parents obviously in the group of, at all different stages. It's been really helpful for me when I like, I think it was when I was deciding how much childcare should I get? I think I put up a post okay. and people gave me some great advice of just like, okay, what do they do? What worked for them? Mm-hmm. Or when it's come to, oh, I've asked about a bunch of different things, like useful podcasting stuff or even like yesterday mm-hmm. I was like oh I really need to get my pension sorted out so I thought oh I'll just go over to the group and search like there's use the search box for pensions because yes, yeah. I was like I'm sure this is a conversation yeah. that's been had a million times and I've been meaning to get on it and I shamefully haven't done anything about it um but it was loads of stuff came up and I was like oh that's a helpful article lots of people are recommending the nest ones I was like oh okay great mm-hmm. like I have a plan this is awesome yes because there's just such an array of products out there oh yeah and you just don't know where to start really so yes I definitely agree like that's the search function in Facebook is, is yes good. I know and lots of people don't know it's there so if you are in Facebook groups always use the search button guys it saves you lots of time <laughs> yes definitely and also like then if people can add to the topic they can add it to the same mm-hmm thread yeah, as well yeah, yeah. so then you get even more rounded view but yes oh cool and in terms of so likely the people listening to this are people who are who want to work flexibly but can't work out maybe how it would work or can't imagine how it would work what what advice or tips would you give them hmm, that's a good question I think, I suppose it depends on the kind of job you want to have, because obviously you can work flexibly within employment, if that makes sense. So I love, there's the whole, um, what's it, Mother Pucker's Flex Appeal going on. I don't know if you've seen that, which I am all for. And I'm actually quite lucky in a lot of the employment jobs that I've had in the past have always been quite flexible. But I think that a lot depends on the size and the managers and the all of that kind of things. But from my perspective, so I have most knowledge, obviously, about working for myself when it comes to being flexible. I think if you're in a position where you're maybe are uh, employed or you're looking to make a change and you would like to kind of do more flexible working, I really recommend trying it out. So not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket. So for example, if you currently work a rough nine to five job that you don't love and you're thinking I'd love to do more flexible working maybe I want to be a coach or maybe you're an accountant and you want to work as you know a self-employed accountant actually to start doing that as a bit like of a side hustle first I think is a really great place to start so for me early on probably for the good uh like six or seven years of being self-employed Throughout that time, I had lots of different stints of part-time self of, of employed jobs as well, which I probably should have mentioned. I wasn't always just self-employed um, the whole time. I also had dips in and out of employment as and when I needed to either pay my bills or a job came up that I thought looked really fun and really interesting. Mm. Um, so I think it's a that's a really great place to start is not necessarily being like, I'm going to hand in my notice tomorrow and in a month's time, I'm going to be doing my full-time freelancing as an accountant. Actually going, okay, well, let's see if I can find one client to do freelancing. And obviously that depends on your employment contract and you've got to check that out. But 
like start with maybe finding one client or if you want to sell stuff on Etsy, start by putting up one product and seeing if you can get 10 sales. Like just starting really, really small and seeing if you like it. Because I think flexible working has this lovely allure to it, you know, where it's all like, oh, you can work from your bed and you can wear yoga pants and you can, it can work around childcare and But actually, there is some real downsides to it. And some people just really don't like it. Like my husband hates working from home. He just doesn't enjoy it. And he wouldn't like working for himself at this stage in his life at all. It's just Mm -hmm. not it's just not his jam at all um so yeah which is totally fine so I think kind of experimenting number one and just trying it out uh, a little bit and then if you do decide that you like it having some like clear systems in place and a clear structure really helps so for me even before I had kids I always had like a clear I planned out my week quite clearly of what I was doing when. I tend to just use Google Calendar for that. So I will put out, okay, this is my podcast. So Tuesday mornings are my podcast mornings. So I get that all sorted, record mine, do other podcasts, all of that sort of stuff. And then my evenings are client work. And then Thursdays are like admin and marketing. So I have these like little buckets and structure that I that I add into my week. And I think that's really helpful. Otherwise, if you do go for flexible working, it can sometimes, you can sometimes feel overwhelmed by how flexible it is. <laughs> Cause you're like, I could do anything. It's a Monday. I could yeah. literally do anything in the world. And that can feel a bit much at eight o'clock on a Monday morning, I think. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I think that's a great tip. Well, I think that's uh, all for today. It's been lovely speaking to you and meeting you and getting to know you a bit more. Uh, So for all the listeners, uh, if they want to find out more about you, uh, where can they find you? Ah, it's been wonderful to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Um, You can find out more about me. I am on Instagram and Facebook. uh, So you can either search Kezia Hall or Supernaturally Healthy. That's kind of my handle. So you could DM me on Instagram. I'm a lot on stories, Instagram stories there and on Facebook as well. And you can head over to my website, which is Supernaturally Healthy. So all on word.co.uk. And, you know, you've all been on websites, so you all know what to do when you get there. It's pretty Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-explanatory. You can find out more about me. But I'd love if you've listened to this podcast come over and say hello. I love chatting with people. You can DM me, you can message me, you can leave a comment, whatever works. Oh, lovely. I will be following you on Instagram. I love Instagram stories. I know, me too. um, (laughs) If you love sharing stuff on on stories, I'll be checking that out. Oh, excellent. Thank you so much, Kessia. You're so welcome. Have a great day. Bye. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share with others and rate on iTunes. I would love to hear from you, whether it's uh, feedback or if you've got any ideas for guests or anyone you think would be good on the show, let me know. You can email me on podcast at digitalseamstress.co.uk. You can also follow me on Instagram at the handle at wemakeitwork underscore. You can also search for us on LinkedIn Uh, with we make it work podcast i also have another feature where you can leave an audio message for me which i can then include in the show i would love for you to take part in the show in this way so to do that you need to go to anchor.fm slash we make it work with dashes in between the words we make it work forward slash 
message. So just to clarify, I'll spell out the whole URL. It's uh, anchor.fm forward slash we dash make dash it dash work forward slash message. And that they'll be in the show notes anyway, the URL. And uh, thank you for listening and bye.